cancer diagnosis, choice of treatment and complementary integrative support during treatment are deeply personal choices. There are several views on dietary protocols for cancer care. The very best protocols will be from those who have been cancer patients themselves and who have subsequently trained themselves professionally in order to bring you the best support. In today's podcast, we will answer three questions. What are specific cancer dietary protocols? Do dietary protocols need to be followed even when cancer treatment is over? How do you bring in the right juicing to support recovery? Maya Simend is a colleague and someone who witnessed that miraculous epiphany during the time of her second cancer diagnosis, one that could have been fatal. What shifted for her was something that saved her and continues to help save several others and I felt I must have her on the show. Maya is a holistic cancer coach. She is a functional nutrition and lifestyle practitioner focused on cancer care and she is a cancer survivor second time round. Let's get started. Hey everyone, I'm Deepa, Light Functional Medicine Practitioner, author and new guinea and you're listening to the Sleep Whisperer podcast, the only sleep podcast with conversations and meditations. I'm on a mission to share profoundly insightful sleep conversations with global visionaries that merge together functional medicine and ancient wisdom. Breathe in bliss through weekly guided meditations and let yourself enter the land of dreams. Together, let's unravel the pieces, get to the roots and understand the right tools to transform your sleep completely. Through this podcast, I want you to dream the best version of yourself. It's time to regain hope and begin your sleep journey. Welcome to the Sleep Whisperer podcast and we are speaking about cancer and sleep today and and let's come talking into diet Maya because you have spoken a lot about this miraculous journey of yours using juicing. Now I want us to get into two aspects of this when we're talking about cancer and dietary protocols. The first is that um, are you still following the protocols that you did during that time or do you believe that those are protocols for the duration of treatment or support with treatment and you've moved to something probably uh, less extreme now or do you believe that um, as somebody who's had recurrent cancer that Parts of those dietary protocols need to be maintained for yourself ongoing to support your body and prevent yourself from having any relapse. So that's the first part of the question. And maybe we can get into that first before we go into the dietary protocols. Okay. Um, I think of this way. So if my diet would have been uh, a good choice at that time, and I would have known the things I would have not get cancer in the first place. That's how I think. 
So I do have people asking me like, uh, so let's say like I get healed from whatever, can I go back to a diet? And I would tell them, what did bring you into the spot where you're at right now? It's your diet. I am very um, strict about my diet. I'm still juicing every day. Um, not as much, as, not as many cups as I used to do before, but drinking my 16 ounces green juice a day, I do that. I still uh, follow of uh, 75 to 80%, 85% of raw food. Um, I do, I'm, I'm not vegetarian. I do eat meat, um, but I always, um, I buy my, my uh, meat and eggs from local farms. But I, before I buy them, I ask tons of questions. What do you feed your chickens? What do you feed your animals? Do you spray anything? Do you feed them soy? Do you feed them organic? All those questions. And I would go with the farm that satisfies me more. Um, maybe for a person who went through cancer twice, it's like, uh, for me, it's like, I, I have no time to joke around. Do you know what I'm saying? So that's why I keep um, following my diet. I do keep um, believing is diet is a food, is our medicine. I still, uh, not I still, I do believe very strongly to that. And I encourage people because to me, the diet, let's say my diet, that's a real food. And we call it a diet. I would call diet the junk food. I would call it diet. But this is a real food because it was given to us from the beginning. That's what we have to implement in our lives. Beautiful. And uh, you, in fact, I was going to ask you something else, which you just gave us a sneak peek into already, which is you said I'm not vegetarian. Uh, and the reason I wanted us to talk about that, I think there is a lot of confusion in the world of cancer and dietary recommendations. Typically, I've heard several uh, practitioners in the space talking about needing to be 100% plant-based as animal protein can uh, lead to increased risk or prevent full uh, treatment and recovery or um, you know feeding the cancer so to speak and that's what you commonly hear so I'd love to spend a little bit of time there um, just really break that down so that anyone who's listening can be quite clear that it's not a choice that's made for them. Is it something that's unique to everybody? Do you feel there is some science to the recommendation to be fully plant-based during cancer care? Um, to me, um, I would say whatever benefits your body. When I was going through detox, detoxification, I took very, very extreme. Like I just flipped within like basically, let's say a week or two. I stopped eating dairy. I stopped eating sugar, gluten. I went on a raw diet. Um, that was the first few months when I was going through detox. It did make me feel horrible first two weeks because I was going through detox pro process. I break out with like a blisters on my face. I just want to say like, if, if people, if, if the body is full of toxins, you will feel those experiences. You will get those experiences, headaches, like nausea, throwing up, um, detoxifying. 
Um, there was a time when I was going through um, being on a raw diet that I would wake up in the morning and I had this like a urge of eating eggs. Then I would eat eggs. Then I had, I just like, I learned to listen to my body. Like uh, I knew we have to implement um, like the healthy diet has to be based on a, some protein, fiber and fat. So my protein was a smaller portions at the time. My fat intakes was little also, but it would come from like, let's say extra virgin olive oil. I'm just saying what I, I did it on myself. Everyone is so different. Again, with their own genetics, with their own like uh, methylations and gene mutations and stuff like that. So for me, um, I would listen. There would be a days when I would want to eat salmon. So I would eat salmon. So I would implement once a week an egg or a salmon for a dinner, for, for, for breakfast or dinner, it doesn't matter. Um, and the results start coming up better and better. So that's what it worked for me. I would say that people have to work with their nutritionist and take that approach of what diet best fits their body. Because my diet might not be good for another person. But for me, that's what it worked for me. I am not, if it comes to me, I don't support like uh, going on 100% vegetarian food because we still need those fats. We still need those fibers. We need those big complex vitamins, which is so important and so crucial, um, especially with the breast cancer. And the big complexes you don't get from anywhere, but more from animal uh, products than any other you know, sources. So that's how I look at into the diet. Lovely. And um, you spoke about the six glasses of green juice. And I've been meaning to ask you this right from when we started having this conversation as to what went into it. And uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about those ingredients and why you chose them. Were, this, were, the, were all six glasses the same juice and you had them again? So uh, really, I've heard so much about juicing in cancer care. And usually, I've heard a lot about the orange ones, the carrots and oh. the beta carotene. But I would love to talk about this and as to why you pick those ingredients. Was it intuition that guided you? Was it research? What was it? Um, I didn't do all green juice, uh, like uh, all, all juices, green juice. I was mixing them up. I would start my day with a green juice and my green juice would be um, celery, kale, um, some spinach, not a lot of spinach because spinach just ha still has oxalate in it. So I would be a little cautious about it. Um, cabbage, for example, red cabbage. Um, uh, the, my green juice would be only all greens, like a uh, uh, collard green, like a, like a beet leaves. Whatever I had at home or whatever I would buy that week for juicing. So those would be in going into my juice and then lemon. I would squeeze one lemon in it. So I wouldn't put, sometimes I would put one green apple, but not usually because I was still trying to avoid some sweetness. 
um, knowing that the cancer, like sugar fits cancer cells, which is a, there's a new study shows up that it's not actually sugar doesn't fit cancer cells nowadays. It's something different. But um, at that time, this is what I knew. So, but then second juice would be carrot juice, for example, was, was cabbage. Or um, I learned about microbiome a lot. And growing in my country, we used a lot of sauerkraut. So, and then sauerkraut juice would be another cup of juice for me to build up my microbiome. Actually, it would make me feel so good. So I would just, I would love it to implement my own sauerkraut. Like uh, through my entire journey, I just learned to make stuff myself, you know, everything from scratch because the trust wasn't there at the time. So the sauerkraut beet juice, uh, beet mixed with something else. Um, so I would avoid sweet juices. Yes, I did. Uh, but I did not avoid carrots. Carrots were so crucial because of the beta carotene and um, other like uh, nutrition factors on it. And I kind of follow uh, semi-Gerson therapy at that time, not fully, uh, but semi-Gerson therapy. So those were my juices throughout the day drinking. They would be mixed. And it would depend on what kind of fruits and vegetables I would get at at that time. And Maya, when you say juices, so you know, you hear so much about the cold pressed juice, which removes all the fiber, then there's some talk about adding some of that pulped fiber back into the juice, what would you do? It depends on the, on the person. Like my daughter, she doesn't like anything with pulp, for example, right? But I don't mind <laughs> drinking a juice with pulp. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't worried about fiber that much because throughout the day I would eat so 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 much raw vegetables, just like a, munching on the carrots, munching on uh, cauliflowers and broccoli. I, I would when I would go to work, I would just grab this like a big ziploc plastic bag of like cauliflower, broccoli, and stuff, and I would just eat those all day long. So my fiber wasn't my biggest concern. So I was getting a fiber. It depends on the person, what they like. If they like to strain their juices, um, they could do that as long as they get another source of fiber. And I think the other question our listeners might want to ask is that, uh, yes, they're getting fiber. They're probably eating vegetables and salads. So why, why the juice as well on top of it? So what was the idea behind it? Is it just to help detoxification? Is it that it's quick nutrient absorption from those vegetables? Um, I Juicing was like a, to basically give my body those nutrients that I was depleted on. And there's no way I could eat so many fruits and vegetables throughout the day as much as I could get it was was juicing and uh, my husband used to be an electrician and one day we did this test with him he took his like a little electrical device and we cut the apple in half and he we put it on the apple and the the scales start like a shifting a little bit so you could say that like uh, that fruit apple had energy right and then we tried to do a uh, baked potato it was just standing still so to me is a living food is like uh love our, that i yeah, love that right our cells are uh, all living cells in our body so if we give them a dead food what is it going to happen to a cell 
So for me, giving a living food, that's when you replenish your body with the, all the nutrients that your body needs to function properly. So that's how I look at the, the fresh fruits and vegetables as a living food. And you, we spoke about the juices, the six glasses a day, and then the lots of cruciferous vegetables you carried. Apart from that, what did the diet comprise? Okay, my, my diet was like, I did consume a lot of cruciferous vegetables because um, they were like, a, they are anti-cancer, of course. Um, there's a one thing that people have to know by consuming a lot of cruciferous vegetables, they require iodine. Um, and if they take the iodine from the thyroid to, to get digested and breaking down. So um, I was using, I was adding some iodine into my food. That's in like, I, I would add like either kelp, in, kelp powder in my juice, spirulina powder in my juice to get that iodine levels up, or um, there would be this, I would just take a couple of drops of iodine. So that's another thing um, of, uh, I, yes, I did consume a lot of cruciferous vegetables and they're still a big part of my day as of today. Um, I do make uh, big salad bowls. Um, I consume about six to seven cups of salad every single day. This is beside the juice. This is beside my morning, let's say, chia bowl. It's all raw. So um, I make my own like uh, plant-based yogurts that I use um, as a for, for, you know, the, to build up my microbiome. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a big follower on supplements. So I try to get everything from the food as much as possible. Yes, I do take supplements, of course, but the food is uh, the first thing that I would think of getting from. So uh, my day based on like uh, morning chia bowls, like uh, was fermented chia seeds, flax seed, and some nuts. So I ferment as much as I can. So um, sometimes eggs with salad in the morning, two sunny side up with my favorite eggs. <laughs> so I would do it. That was a big salad. Um, it happens to be when I drink my juice in the morning, I just have two meals afterward, which is lunch and the dinner about 5 36 PM. And that would be it for me during the dinner. I would do some red potatoes, maybe, uh, um, again, salad, like always. And, um, Sometimes I, we would have chicken or piece of meat or uh, fish, whatever, like available. So that would be the dinner. And the million dollar question, Maya, because you spoke about removing gluten and through a conversation about the diet for cancer recovery, we didn't, you didn't mention a single grain. So let's talk a little bit about your thoughts on grains during cancer treatment. Um, I avoided all the grains. The only grains I consumed, um, the ones that I sprouted. I did sprout, for example, buckwheat, and I would eat it in a raw form. I did sprout oats, and I would just uh, grind them and make a raw like uh, breakfast for myself. Um, lots of legumes and lots of um, 
grains. I would like a quinoa, for example, I would consume quinoa. Um, most majority of them are, would be sprouted. I learned a lot of sprouting a lot and um, it just builds up this benefit. It's, you know, to a higher level. So that's why I sprouted a lot. And I still do. And I know that our listeners probably want you to teach us one way of sprouting. Maybe just tell us buckwheat or oat and how might we do that? Okay. Um, just before I would say that, I just want to say, like, I do not miss, like, uh, the gluten. I do not because I, I eat so much. Sometimes I don't even have a, a space throughout the day, even like to eat my salads, <laughs> not yet talking about gluten. And the other thing I want to point out is the dairy. Like when I, I, I love cheeses, I always did, but I haven't been consuming them for past seven years. Um, but if I try here and there, if I, for example, come across like a raw uh, feta cheese, I would buy it. And my favorite uh, meal is like a tomato, avocado and feta. Uh, if I would try a little piece, the next two days, I would feel rising in my hot flashes. So I know that affects my hormones. So that's why I don't consume that. That's the point I want to bring like to listen to your body, pay attention on the food, what you eat, because your body would tell you. So that's how I learned for myself. And I yeah. think, Maya, that's a very wise point to me because a lot of times we do battle ourselves. We, we might feel those connections, but many of us at times we try to ignore it because we love that food so much. And I think we're all guilty of doing that sometimes. So I think what you are really trying to make a point is when you get those feedback from your body, listen to them, honor them. And that's important. And of course, let's talk a little bit about sprouted buckwheat. Or okay. Oat. Yeah. So the buckwheat, the sprouting is very easy. All you do is just rinse your grains and put them in a jar um, and add um, a few drops of hydrogen peroxide into the water and leave it overnight. In the morning, you just strain the water, rinse your sprout and leave them on the table by rinsing twice a day for the next three, four days. And you will see like little sprouts are going to grow little like uh, roots. And then they, they turn into the green leaves. And that's when you, your sprouts are ready. So, and I would, for example, ground my buckwheat and make like a morning cereal with it. I still do sometimes. Um, the same thing with oats I would do during the time of sprouting, there's so much like, a, it's, it's like a growing life. It's a brand new life. It's growing. There's so much nutrients. So it's so rich in nutrients. One tablespoon of sprouted broccoli. It's like an entire whole head of broccoli. Like we won't sit down and eat that entire head of broccoli, but we can definitely eat one tablespoon of sprouted broccoli. Right. So that's how I sprout my uh, seeds. Why the hydrogen peroxide? Because I heard you say that and I was thinking when I usually sprout, I soak something in water and then after a while I remove the water and then wrap it in a cloth and it starts to sprout. So is there a reason for the hydrogen peroxide? Hydrogen peroxide, um, I have read somewhere that it's just like uh, expedite the the 
the ferment, uh, the, the sprouting process, um, it makes it faster. And it's like a double oxygen, basically. It's kind of gives them more life to a seed and become more potent. And, and plus, like if there's like any fungus or anything, it's just like in the water or in the, in the grains or seeds, um, I would just like, uh, it won't go bad. Lovely, Maya. And any final uh, words for us, especially connecting to sleep in terms of why you think your protocols improved your sleep? You did say that I wasn't looking for that. I was looking to heal myself and the good sleep was more a bonus side effect from that right. protocol. So why do you think it helped you and um, is there anything that you'd like to add for somebody who's going through this phase right now who might want to consciously improve their sleep? I just want to say like uh, the nature had gave us so much to, to be well and stay well. Uh, instead of going out there and searching for those supplements or 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 I don't know, like, you know, uh, people are going spending money on something that it's giving to us for free, that learn how to use them. They were giving to us for a reason. Um, and the other thing that I would like to tell people is like, uh, it's all would come to the choices you make. Make a wise choice for yourself. Don't be lazy when it comes to healing your own body you don't have an extra body out there like if this one goes off you can go and grab another one and replace it the only body we have and my understanding is like i love myself that now i could say like i do love myself because i nourish my body i take care of my body that's what my understanding of loving myself is so those are the messages i would like to bring to people, don't be afraid of the challenges. There's always something out there and someone out there that would come forward when you have this huge desire in you. And I know that when you work with your clients, Maya, in this exact phase where you've been, where you've been fighting with your mind. And I think that fighting with your mind really made me pause for a second because this can happen to any of us in any situation where we are sometimes um, need to question our intuitive knowledge or what we choose by those around us and we're always second guessing so I think that was a very valid thing that you spoke about that just listen to your intuition because something is guiding you um, but right. you do work with people and you do walk them through and um, supposing these kind of conflicting aspects in their mind and moving helping them to move past fears uh, because you're also living proof uh, so where yeah. can people find you if they'd like to have you hold their hand and work with them through this journey yeah i'm finding was my mind was the hardest thing through throughout my um, healing journey i just can point that one um, but it's doable 
Um, people can find me. I have a website um, and I called my website 365healthinsideandout.com because we have to be healthy 365 days a, a year from inside and from out. Um, I'm also on Instagram at uh, Maya at 365healthinsideandout. And on, um, on Facebook um, was the same name, uh, Facebook page. Um, that's where the people could find me. Thank you for your time, Maya. It was a great conversation. Thank you so much, Deepa, for having me. In this episode, Maya walked us through the very specific dietary protocols which she used through her cancer treatment journey and beyond. While dietary protocols can seem unusual, the treatment journey is one that needs patients and professionals to think unusually. Maya lays down some very clear protocols, but do remember that even within that space, every single patient is unique. However, Working with a trained professional like Maya herself, one who has been through the journey of a patient before becoming a professional can be the very best support. Working with someone who is sensitive, knowledgeable and open to recognizing your individual concerns and challenges is very necessary. I hope this two-part episode on cancer and sleep was useful. If you know anyone who will benefit from these episodes, remember to share it with them. It takes a moment to do so, but for someone out there, it might be the game changer on their cancer journey. Have a great day. Hi everyone, I hope you enjoyed the show today. Just a reminder that this podcast is for information purposes only. It is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or otherwise qualified health professional. This information is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or the professional advice or services. If you are looking for personal help on your health journey, do seek out a qualified professional. Please do make your own healthcare decisions based upon your research and in partnership with a qualified healthcare professional. It is in no way intended as medical advice or a treatment or cure for any condition. Be sure to always directly work with a qualified practitioner before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle that may feel out of your realm of comfort or understanding. If you are looking for an allied functional medicine practitioner, do seek out more information on www.phytothrive.com. It is important that you have someone who is qualified and understands your health personally in order to provide adequate care, especially when it comes to chronic health conditions. Be sure to subscribe to the Sleep Whisperer podcast on your favorite podcast app to get each episode as soon as it launches.